0: Just a quick word from our sponsor, Pattern Life. I am so excited to get the word out about Pattern because one thing I learned the hard way was disability insurance. For me, researching insurance got complicated, time-consuming, and for me, I just got overwhelmed and trusted that my employer had some type of disability insurance, but boy, was I wrong in terms of what those details entailed pattern is great because it's actually geared towards clinicians and doctors and has helped thousands of doctors find and understand the insurance they're buying you just click on the link in the show notes i did this the other day it takes two minutes to write your info request quotes to compare them or schedule a quick 15 minute phone call and buy risk free so request your quote today at patternlife.com so you can use your time better save money and be prepared for the unknowns of the future Don't make mistakes like me and be confident that your family and income are protected no matter what the future holds. And with that, let's get back into the episode.
1: Hi, I'm Janine Knudsen.
0: And I'm Steve Liu. Today, we'll be introducing a new voice to our group.
1: Hey, I'm Carl Drake. Welcome to Mind the Gap. Today, we thought we'd talk a little bit more about paracentesis. <laughs> Wait, what? No, just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say. Okay. So, we're really planning to discuss COPD and its classification. So, here's topic number one. How do we diagnose COPD? Then topic two, how do we classify it?
0: And topic number three. Wait a minute, guys. Where's topic number three? <laughs> yeah, Where's so my Steve, topic?
1: There's only two today. None for you, Steve. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. There may be only two major points this time around, but the real keys here are that knowing the strict definitions of diagnosis and classification aren't enough. We're hoping that by covering the history, you'll see how our understanding of this disease is continuously evolving.
0: And since our own Carl Drake heavily researched this episode, I'll be sending this one out and handing my mic over to her.
1: Aw, thanks, Steve. Yeah,
0: sure thing, Carl. Now, let's take a deep breath <gasps> and get ready to dive deeper into the breathless world of COPD. It's
1: <laughs> <is> so bad. <laughs> it's really about to be bad. Oh, I thought that was good. <laughs> ah, nope, nope, nope. You're listening to Mind the Gap. I'm Janine Knudsen, and I'm Carl Drake. Today, we'll be talking about COPD classification. We'd like to thank Dr. Joan Reapman, Professor of Medicine and Environmental Medicine at NYU and Director of the NYU Bellevue Asthma, Airways, and Environment Program for peer reviewing this episode. Phew, that was a mouthful. (laughs) We are a Core
0: IM podcast supported by Clinical Correlations. Just a quick word from our sponsor. We all want to eat healthier, but let's be honest. Between our busy schedule and the endless prep and cleanup, it feels kind of out of our reach. You know, we often are aiming for better nutrition but end up compromising for quick fixes that are anything but healthy. Now, imagine a different scenario. Picture a day where you're coming home to gourmet, nutritious meals that are ready in just two minutes. With Factors, that is possible. Factors delivers delicious, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals right to your door, ready to heat in just two minutes, giving you over 35 weekly options to choose from, from Calorie Smart to Protein Plus to Keto. And don't forget, they have 60 plus add-ons for an extra boost from breakfast to midday bites, so you're not spending all your time and money in the hospital's cafeteria. So no prep, no mess, just real mouth-watering meals tailored to fit your schedule and dietary needs. With Factor, you're not just saving time, but you're elevating your meal game without the hassle of cooking. Head to factormeals.com slash am 50 Use the code coream50 to get 50% off. That's the code coriam 50 at factormeals.com slash 50 So today
1: we're talking about COPD, or Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease. Specifically, we want to make sure you understand the approach to the classification of COPD. And you can't do that without gold. Yeah, it's this really incredible international group of experts who... Hold your horses, Janine. <laughs> I'm talking about the British term for COPD. They used to call it GOLD, or Generalized Obstructive Lung Disease. Wait, what? Yeah. Prior to the 1960s, the Brits and the Americans were converging on our modern definition of COPD from two directions. The Brits were focused on explaining COPD using physical findings when they dissected the lungs on autopsy. Americans, on the other hand, had moved towards developing pathophysiologic models to generate similar clinical findings. They focused on cell biology and biochemistry. And these two schools of thought were gold, the British version, and COPD, the American one. Whoa, way too deep, Carl. When I say gold, I'm referring to the Global Initiative for Chronic Obstructive Lung Disease. You know, the international body that comes out with COPD recommendations every few years? Yeah, Janine, I know about it. I mean, like the Bible of COPD management? so that gold. That's fair. I just never really liked it as much because it's not really gold. It's more like jick-hold. <laughs> okay, making Steve bad. We have a history here of a hating on bad naming. Remember the SORT trial? Oh my god, you're still not over that. No, not really. Speaking of history, that was a really nice history lesson, but we're hoping to avoid getting too bogged down in that. I just you know, spent a while researching this, so I get a little bit excited (laughs) when we talk about it. Okay. The history is really important. After all, it does explain how we think about COPD pathophysiology today, and it helps us understand how that's still evolving. But It can lead us astray too, like Leneck and COPD. Yeah, so the famed inventor of the stethoscope was one of the first describers of COPD, though at the time he called it chronic bronchitis. Part of that description also made a fundamental assumption that would drive the thinking of COPD for decades. At the time, it was pretty clear that the destruction of the lung alveoli correlated to breathlessness that was called emphysema, though the Brits would be tormented for decades because not all people with breathlessness had significant damage. They didn't understand yet that COPD was a disorder of small airway inflammation. Yeah. The next hypothesis was that repeated infection of the bronchi led to repeated mucus buildup causing proximal obstruction. This would cause distal hyperinflation, leading to a pressure buildup in the alveoli resulting in damage. Wow. Talk about blue bloaters to the extreme. Well, you have to remember that they were working from gross pathology. It was easy to connect the destruction of alveoli to the symptoms a person can feel. Sure. A to body world, seeing one of those gross lungs will do that pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, he wasn't right. And it led to decades of us treating COPD the wrong way. We focus too much on treating infection rather than focusing on the inflammation that drives the disease. So don't listen to history. Or maybe remember that medicine should be a humble science because we're not immune to thinking we know more than we really do. <laughs> very deep, very deep. Thank you. There is no spoon. I don't get that reference. (laughs) Dude, it's from the Matrix. (laughs) Okay. My favorite movie. It's a fair point. But after all, it wasn't that long ago that we were giving potassium iodide to increase sputum expectoration and avoiding things like steroids and COPD. Exactly. Well, we digress some. So let's get away from the grandfathers of medicine and focus on what we know now. You mean what we think we know. (laughs) Okay, more matrix. (laughs) So from here on out, we're going to ask you to ignore the British gold because America won that fight and we call it COPD now. Merka. Yeah. So from here on out, gold is the unwieldy global initiative for chronic obstructive lung disease. A.K.A. Jickhold. No, Carl, no. (laughs) Okay, fine. Sorry. I mean gold. So following the idea that history is important to understanding where We are now, we're going to trace through the changes made from gold in 2001 to now, which is the start of 2018. You know, the timing of this really sucks because the newest guidelines are going to probably come out in the next couple months and then this will be outdated. Okay, we'll add our podcast to the historical record. So, in 2001, when they first created the GOLD guidelines, they technically separated the discussion between chronic bronchitis and emphysema. But it's worthwhile to know already that at this time, the trend had been to think of these two as the same disease, with the same root cause pathology. Yeah, that COPD is caused by inflammation and oxidative stress at the level of bronchioles and parenchyma. And that leads to maladaptive remodeling in both bronchitis and in emphysema. Exactly. That, in turn, drives dysregulation of proteases and antiprotonases, causing abnormal mucociliary function, small airway disease, and alveolar loss. These changes can occur at different rates over time and vary from person to person. <laughs> That's super dry. Brings me back to my pre-med basic science research days. Maybe dry, Janine, but... It's these differences that we see from person to person that can make the diagnosis so challenging. Fair enough, fair enough. So COPD really is a heterogeneic disease. But let's back up for a second and describe how we even diagnose it first. Okay, so first off, think of patients with persistent dyspnea or cough or others with exposure risks like tobacco. Then you have to use spirometry to make the diagnosis. If their FEV1 to FVC ratio is less than 70% after bronchodilators, you're done. Okay, we should take a quick pause here to remind you what these terms stand for. So FEV1 is the forced expiratory volume after one second. And FVC is the forced vital capacity. So, in Gold's first stab at a classification system, which, by the way, was meant to be more for education and research purposes, COPD severity was based primarily on reduction in FEV1. Having chronic symptoms was considered, but it wasn't really their focus. And by 2006, they simplified it even further by removing symptoms from the classification system altogether. They split up patients into four stages by FEV1. You want to talk through it? Yeah. Stage 1 was an FEV1 greater than 80. And Stage 2 was an FEV1 between 50 and 80. And then Stage 3 was an FEV1 between 30 to 50. So, shockingly, Stage 4 was an (laughs) FEV1 less than 30. Simple, right? Well, kind of. Really? I mean, couldn't they do it by 25? <laughs> Some people are never happy. I mean, it would be easier. Well, to be fair, the major utility of FEV1 was that it could be used to predict clinical outcomes on a population level. I'm talking about the really important ones, like hospitalization and mortality. Historically, prior studies often used FEV1 scores to delineate population risks. For example, a person with an FEV1 of 60%. That's stage 2, right? Right. That corresponds to an 11% risk of mortality at 3 years. If you have their FEV1 to 30%. or stage four. They have a whopping 24% risk of death in that time. Cripes. Just so you know, that data comes from the placebo arms of landmark trials like TORCH, Uplift, and Eclipse. Cool names. We are never satisfied without a good acronym in medicine. (laughs) But fortunately, we don't have to memorize them because then they changed again in 2011 when the gold folks remembered we were talking about people, not numbers. Yeah, about that. Oh God, they're coming back, aren't they? Yeah, but not for a couple minutes. So now we're talking... A, B, C, D. The new way. It was based on a similar paradigm shift in pathophysiology. Our understanding had progressed to a point where we could move beyond the simplified catch-all FEV1 systems. Patients are more than just a number, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. mm -hmm. (laughs) Do it again. (laughs) And pulmonologists had observed for some time that symptoms and changes in imaging can precede changes in spirometry. And this begs the question, is COPD really a disease of airway restriction? Is there more to this disease or is it some other disease we haven't really described yet? Wow. Welcome to Mind the Gap, where we explore the deep questions about life and medicine. Just reminding you to stay woke, (laughs) Janine. Word, girl. Okay. So back to ABCD. Here we're working. With a 2x2 two two table. The top and bottom rows are divided by FEV1. And columns 1 and 2 are divided by symptoms. This is probably hard for a lot of you to visualize. So, shout out to Ramon Thompson, our awesome graphic designer. Please pull up his graphic to follow along. Okay, so to simplify things, rather than using the old FEV1, 1 to 4 stages, they just split up patients into FEV1 greater or less than 50. A much better number system. And as we mentioned earlier, patients were grouped into those with more or less symptoms. They used a symptom score like the MMRC or the CAT. I love (laughs) (laughs) cats. Basically, they divided patients based on good or bad functional status. For those of you who aren't looking at Ramon's graphic, try to imagine a two-by-two box with the letters A and B in the top two boxes and C and D in the bottom two. So what we end up with is that A and C correspond to a good functional status, whereas B and D correspond to a poor functional status. Ideally, this then helps to guide what medications you might give to treat your patient's COPD. Which is totally what we would tell you about next. But it exceeds the scope of this episode. And maybe, just maybe, we'll cover it down the line. (laughs) Okay, fine, Carl. And this is where Gold left things until this last year. Yeah. They found out that their fancy two-by-two table wasn't actually any better at predicting outcomes than the 2001 system. Which brings us to the twenty seventeen one through 4 (laughs) 8 d system. Or the New New Way. Nice. Yeah. So the New New Way uses both the now Old gold A through D and the older gold one through four staging systems. I'm not sure that you could have said that in a more confusing (laughs) way. Okay, fine. Basically, they decided that we should have our cake and eat it too. The idea is that by combining the two, we get a better overall system. Using FEV1 helps group patients into categories and identify overall population risks for things like hospitalization, intubations, and mortality. But then, it also categorizes patients by symptoms to guide symptom management. So that's it. This is the modern-day version, most super up-to-date description of the guidelines. Well, kind of, because the newest 2018 Gold Guidelines were released the end of November 2017. We haven't really had a chance to go through those in depth yet. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a new bike model. So that's it for today. Hopefully you learned a little bit about the diagnosis and classification of COPD. And hopefully it helped you to understand a little bit more about how we got from there to here. So we know that we went kind of quickly through the guidelines. And arguably not as in depth as some might like. So we want to encourage you to check out the guidelines too. Take a look at the links below the podcast on the Clinical Correlations website so you can take the time to judge the data for yourself and sound smart on round. Super smart. After all, this is a podcast talking about those gaps in our knowledge because you only heard it that one time. So if you really want to feel confident on the data, take the time to pick it apart yourself. If there are any other topics you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. I'm Carl Drake. And I'm Janine Knudsen. And remember, mind the gap. Thanks for listening. Opinions in this podcast are our own and do not represent the opinions of NYU or other affiliated institutions. Please don't use this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do it again. Do it again. Please don't use this podcast for medical advice, but instead consult with your healthcare provider. (laughs) Dr. Caldrake. Mind the gap.